African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, thank you for joining us here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. It's me once again, Benjamin Mushatama, joining you on this hour of Africa Dialogue. And you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's if you're streaming us via our shortwave service or listening to us rather via that shortwave service. Online it's on www.channelafrica.org. Well, today I'm excited. I'm a young person. I'll be speaking to other young people from developing countries today we're looking at the sixth commonwealth youth parliament which is being held at the northwest legislature in south africa so i'm looking forward to speak about democracy uh, parliamentary processes in different countries we actually have uh, various young people from trinidad tobago pakistan and zambia so it's going to be a great conversation but before we get into that let's get our news and uh, joalani standing by Thank you, Benjamin. Good morning. Making headlines, South African President Jacob Zuma is holding private talks with his visiting Burundian counterpart, Pierre Nkurunziza, in Cape Town. Data from mobile phone records can be used to track down the movement of people who have contracted Ebola, and cervical cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in sub-Saharan Africa. Good morning. South African President Jacob Zuma is holding private talks with the visiting Burundian counterpart Pierre Nkurunziza in Cape Town. This is Nkurunziza's first state visit to South Africa since his assumption of office in 2005. Zuma and Nkurunziza are expected to discuss further cooperation in priority areas such as trade, health, arts and culture, mining, agriculture, higher education and defense. The two presidents will sign two bilateral trade agreements. Zuma plays a key role in facilitating peace talks in Burundi between 2000 and 2005. The protracted talks led to the successful mediation process to end the Burundi conflict and the ushering of a new government in 2005. Gunmen armed with dynamite have freed at least 50 inmates in a raid on a prison in central Nigeria's Kogi state. This is the same facility that was attacked by Boko Haram Islamists in 2012. National Police spokesperson Emmanuel Ojuku says the prison holds many suspected Boko Haram fighters, but the raids were not linked to the militant group. Local media have reported much higher figures for the number of prisoners freed. Boko Haram claimed a February 2012 attack on the same prison that freed more than 100 inmates. Some prisoners have since been rearrested. 
Data from mobile phone records can be used in the fight against Ebola, the Ebola virus outbreak in West Africa. That's according to the United Nations International Telecommunication Union. Organizations dealing with information and communication technologies are currently meeting in Busan in South Korea. They're discussing how data can help health authorities track the movement of people who have contracted Ebola. Telecommunication uni- unions Cosmas Zavaza explains how this, how this works. We know national authorities are also very careful about the issue of privacy. And what they are doing basically is that they are releasing chunks of data just to show the mobility of people, where are the people, where are they going, where are the help senders, without ascribing the names to the numbers. So we are using that. And we are encouraging countries to do that. And the Secretary General was encouraging governments to take any action that they deemed appropriate to make sure that health workers can have the information they need. Cervical cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in sub-Saharan Africa. That's according to medics from six Central African countries meeting in Cameroon's capital, Yaoundé. They say a majority die of ignorance as only less than 1% of the women are scanned for the disease, which is 100% preventable. Professor Anderson Dorr says there are preventative measures. We have solutions to that. Prevention, primary prevention by avoiding smoking, eating roughly, a square meal should have vegetables once in a while, fruits and all that. Sometimes you find women would sell by the roadside where they've used the same oil to fry plantain or whatever they're selling five, ten times. That oil is dangerous. Obesity is a problem. And this obesity predisposes to certain cancers. The breast, for instance. The gastrointestinal tract in some cases. And tends to hide even the abnormality at times. And finally, hundreds of magistrates in the Democratic Republic of Congo have begun an indefinite strike over pay. This is in a bid to get government to respond to promises made in 2011. President Joseph Kabila claimed during an election campaign in September 2011 that magistrate pay had increased from $724 in 2008 to $1,600 in 2011. However, this has not been honored. The magistrates' union, Sinamax, says although the workers' demands are understandable, it's unrealistic to demand pay increases without checking whether the government budget could meet their demands. Recapping the top stories, South African President Jacob Zuma is holding private talks with his visiting Burundian counterpart, Pierre Nkurunziza, in Cape Town. Data from mobile phone records can be used to track down the movement of people who have contracted Ebola. And finally, cervical cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in sub-Saharan Africa. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. You are listening to African Dialogue. Today, I'm really interested. I've been speaking to a lot of old people for a while here on African Dialogue. And today, I get to speak to people young, my age, and it's pretty much exciting indeed. And this week, young people will have the opportunity to experience certain aspects of the parliamentary process and learn more about democracy. At least 80 to 90 youngsters from Commonwealth countries are being hosted at the 6th Commonwealth Youth Parliament in South Africa. Now, the youth are between the ages of 18 to 29, and they will participate in discussions, mock parliament uh, sessions, and uh, tours around the province of the Northwest that's in South Africa. The activities will take place at the Legislature Chamber under the theme, Deepening the Commonwealth's Commitment to Democracy and Youth Development. Uh, And now on the line, I have a couple of young people from various developing countries in the world. I've got Sibonelo Jere, who is from Zambia, and I'll try to pronounce the next one, Michelle Rupna Reen, who is from Trinidad and Tobago, and from Pakistan, I've got uh, Jahanyab uh, Javaid Aslan. I hope I, ha- I said that right. And later on, we'll speak to the spokesperson for the Speaker of the Northwest Legislature. But uh, let's start with you, Michelle. How are you doing? Can you hear me from your side? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Great. Uh, how is your experience so far with uh, what's happening there in terms of uh, the Commonwealth Youth Parliament? Have you learned anything so far? How has the process been for you? Tell us what you've been through so far. Oh, it's been wonderful so far. Um, on arrival to the country, it's very beautiful. We were greeted very warmly by the people. And since we've landed, it's been um, scheduled extremely tight. We've been in addresses, conferences. We've been strategizing and trying to organize ourselves as the government. And from beginning to end, it's turning out to be an extremely challenging and rewarding experience. Fantastic. Now let me move on to you, Sibonello. Uh, How has your experience been? Do you agree with Michelle? Has the experience been going well for you? I know you guys have just uh, arrived, as Michelle highlighted there. Uh, what has been the experience been for you so far? Um, actually, the experience so far has been very interesting. Apparently, we um, arrived pretty much around the same time with Michelle. So, um, in relation to the welcome that we got from the staff of the uh, Northwest Legislature, it was wonderful. They are very warm people and very helpful. And so, um, the welcome reception was very good. And um, also, the way that they have organized themselves, I think that they have done a very good job in putting up this international conference. So a thumbs up to the Northwest province for that. Uh, but also coming to the schedule of the work that we are here to deliberate over, it's a, it's a very tight program, I must say. Uh, we haven't gotten much sleep because much of the day we're in the conferences and we have briefings, we have lots of presentations to go through and also a caucusing meetings, lots of them. And when it comes to, when it comes to night times again, we have to continue, you know, um, agreeing and also coming up with uh, (laughs) policies Ah. regarding the proceedings of the day. So the program is very tight, Ah. but it's also very exciting in that we are learning um, a lot on parliamentary procedure. And um, it's also quite, um, um, it's a motivating factor for us to engage more in issues of governance back in our countries. Yeah. Now, let me move on to uh, Jahanyab. Am I saying your name right, Jahanyab? 
Yes, yes, it's Jahanyab, to be exact, actually. Jahanyab, I'll get it, I'll get it, my friend. But hey, tell us your experience, how's it been so far? We'll get into some of the themes you guys are covering, but tell me about your uh, few days uh, there in the Northwest. I actually arrived the day before the rest of the delegates did, okay. so I had a chance to explore somewhat of Mapato as well as uh, what it has to offer. And... Uh, so far, I've been nothing but pleased. Uh, the people are great. The environment is great. The weather is great. The, it's just uh, been a great overall experience. And I don't want to bore you with uh, the daily scheduling, as my fellow colleagues have already elaborated <laughs> on that. But uh, perhaps if you had any other matter you wish to uh, address towards me. Okay, fantastic. Now, let's start with this whole idea of what you guys are there to do, the Commonwealth uh, Youth Parliament. Uh, What is it all about? Could you tell us, Michelle, just for our listeners who don't know what the process is, is, and tell us why uh, it's specifically for Commonwealth countries? Yes, the Commonwealth comprises of 53 independent nations, and uh, all of which have been invited to to send uh, youths to take part into this particular parliamentary mock procedure. Mm. This is to not only enhance our understanding of the parliament, but also to equip, equip us with the requisite tools that could be uh, beneficial to not only us, but to our countries uh, once we get back, as most of us intend on either pursuing a career in politics or bureaucracy. Mm. So it's mainly focused on developing the youth, good governance, uh, educational reforms, and employment for the youth. Mm. Now, now let me move on to Michelle. How were you chosen from Trinidad and Tobago to come to South Africa to be part of this experience? What actually was the process of being selected? Uh, well, I had participated in my country's national youth parliament in years gone by, and we were selected, outstanding candidates from my year were selected, and we were panel interviewed by the executive select committee of our Trinidad and Tobago's parliament. Um, we were panel interviewed and shortlisted and subsequently chosen to represent Trinidad and Tobago as South Africa. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's get into the crux of the matter in terms of what this is all about. Sibonello, uh, democracy is a very interesting issue when it comes to uh, uh, our countries, especially when you look at uh, African countries themselves. Your country, Zambia, has been in its own process now, especially losing your own president uh, due to his uh, death. It was a sad thing for your country in itself. Uh, what does democracy mean for the people of uh, Zambia themselves? Just from your own experiences in your own country, in terms of the parliamentary processes, could you elaborate on how you guys conduct yourselves in your own country? Okay, thank you very much. Well, uh, I think that democracy is one value that many people embrace in our country, and also this is very much enhanced through our parliamentary processes. Um, For example, our parliament is very transparent in that... um, we are open to members of the public to witness the live debates as the members of parliament are debating. So that allows for uh, public participation. And then we have um, a parliamentary radio station that broadcasts to the entire country, and so the proceedings of the House are, you know, broadcast live to everyone that would like to listen in. And so that helps uh, to create an understanding of what is pertaining in parliament and the various people that listen in. Also, the strategy to have um, the live proceedings of parliament of, of the parliament of life to the people help for the people to be well informed and to ensure that their member of parliament lobbies for the correct things for them, and that is a monitoring system for the electorate 
as to whether they are being well represented in the House. Mm. Yeah, well, that's and very then great. Additionally, yeah. we have a committee system, mm. and that looks at uh, the oversight role. So we have um, all the line ministries attached to a committee that monitors the work of the committee. Mm. And in those committee sessions, we are open to have submissions from the public, as as and when um, the line ministries are being um, audited by the committees. So that allows for public feed in. And also, it allows for transparency in the committee process. Mm. Well, how old are you, Sibonello? I am 26. Yeah, and you know so much about uh, the parliamentary process. I wish I knew as much as the South African process of parliament like you did. I'm really proud of you. But let's move on to Michelle. Trinidad and Tobago, I don't know much about your country, Michelle. Tell us a little bit more about your uh, parliamentary processes in your country, maybe how a democracy is unfolding in your country for people who, like me who don't know a lot about Trinidad and Tobago. Okay, well, in Trinidad and Tobago, we have a bicameral system. It means that we've got the upper house, the lower house, and we've got the separation of powers, the judiciary, the executive, and the legislature. We have an extremely transparent process in terms of the, as um, Sibyl said, the, um, the debates are open to the public. There's a public gallery. Um, it's extremely accessible to the public, actually, where the debates are held is actually, is, um, accessible in terms of being in the area where a lot of urban activity takes place. So if you're in the city and you would like to just drop in on Parliament at any time and see what's, be, what's taking place in the mm. House, um, this process is transparent in that way. The handout is also published and available to the public. Um, there, there's also a committee system in Trinidad and Tobago. And the, the various branches of the legislature, the executive, and the judiciary while they do not mix the powers, they definitely do keep tabs on each other. Mm. Well, let's move on to uh, Janya from uh, Pakistan. Tell us a little bit about what's happening there in Pakistan in terms of your parliament, uh, just as an introduction to uh, this uh, program. Yes, uh, again, we also have a bicameral system, uh, upper house, lower house, upper house consisting of senators, whereas the lower house consisting of uh, elected members uh, of the National Assembly. And uh, we also have uh, individual cabinets for each province. Uh, again, three independent states, judiciary, executive, and the parliament, which uh, function entirely independent of one another. Mm. Uh, we also broadcast on our television, not the radio, our uh, proceedings of the parliament, aside from matters pertaining to national security, which are done behind closed doors. Mm. And additionally, uh, any well, we aren't as uh, like accessible, however, our parliament proceedings, if one wishes to go and watch them, uh, watch them live, but that's due to matters of security. Uh, you have to attain a guest pass in advance. Otherwise, you can just watch it on TV. Mm. Well, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back to you guys after the break and maybe look at some of the challenges that we're having in our various developing countries uh, in uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Pakistan and Zambia and just to actually look at the importance of this uh, particular occasion. Why is it important for young people to gather in South Africa to talk about democracy, to talk about uh, parliament processes? Someone else would be saying, well, because young people are not really in parliament. Why? 
why should they care? Uh, let us know your thoughts about the conversation we're having today. We want to hear from you. SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. I have three bright uh, young people on the line: Michelle, Janyab, and Sibonelo, who are joining us from various Commonwealth countries to speak about the sixth Commonwealth Youth Parliament, which is currently underway in the northwest in South Africa. We'll be back after the short break. This is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Yes, you are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushata. Well, today we are listening to the voice of young people, which is pretty cool for me because I feel like sometimes uh, we're always listening to other uh, experts, the guys who are have so much experience. But today we are looking at a younger generation, their views on uh, the parliamentary processes. is because we are hosting the Commonwealth Youth Parliament in uh, South Africa. That's the sixth one. And uh, it actually has some young people between between the ages of 18 to 29, and they'll be participating in uh, uh, mock parliament sessions. They'll be having discussions, presenting uh, certain uh, papers, and they'll be touring around the province at some stage of the Northwest. And uh, they are there at the legislature chamber, and they'll be discussing issues under the theme deepening the Commonwealth commitment to democracy and youth development. Now, I want to come to you, Michelle, in terms of uh, why should young people be actually participating in in such a matter, like uh, uh, parliamentary processes in itself, we know that there's other issues that are uh, need to be addressed for young people. Unemployment is a main issue, especially for young people in Commonwealth countries. Why should we care as young people what's happening in our parliaments? Okay, I think one of the things that happens to young people in the Commonwealth countries is that they feel that they're not represented in Parliament, and then they, that feeds into them not caring. But when they participate, then that gives them a voice and also make their concerns known on the issue of unemployment, for example, which we'll be debating on other issues that might be particularly effective of the youth, education, etc. We have the opportunity in South Africa right now to table our own bills to make our views known to, the, to whomever, whomever may be listening um, in South Africa, around the world, on our, on our thoughts on issues, wherever it may concern members of the government, members of the opposition or the independents. So given this opportunity, we are able to 
put a voice to the young people, we are able to encourage participation, and that's how we, the human development in the Commonwealth Territories get going, because we will grow up to inherit, grow up figuratively, to inherit whatever we put forward as youth. And when we participate in this process from a young age, we will be able to shape the process, which we will be able to further influence as we get older and actually become elected members of our respective districts. Hmm. Sibonello, how do you think that we can do that, actually increase that capacity for young participation in uh, our parliaments in our various countries? Okay, um, I will give um, a case study of my country, uh, Zambia. And uh, because Zambia is a member of organizations like the CPA and uh, the Interparliamentary Union, what we do is that we have a special days that we observe on the calendar of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association as well as the Interparliamentary Union. For instance, we have the Commonwealth Day, and that is observed under the CPA, the CPA uh, for which um, we, we meet today in South Africa. Mm. So what happens on such days is that we organize activities, that is youth-based activities, that encourage youth to engage members of parliament. So in our parliament, we sometimes open up parliament to the public so that the youth can come in and interact with the members of parliament and be able to air their views on various matters. That way, they are able to lobby with the members of parliament to advance these issues to the house and see how those issues can be debated. But when we look at international level, Right now, a platform like this conference is a platform that has been created for youth from various countries, member countries of the Commonwealth, to air our views. Like um, Michelle said earlier, she talked about various uh, aspects that we're looking at. We're looking at unemployment, uh, youth unemployment. We're looking at education. What happens is that the resolutions of this particular conference are going to have a feed into the actual international conference that is attended by our members of parliament. So from here, we're going to have two representatives that are going to be able to advance the issues that have uh, come from this conference into the main conference of the um, member countries of the CPA. That is the one attended by members of parliament. Mm. So um, the, the representing members of parliament from the Commonwealth countries will have a chance to listen in to what we, the youth, had to say about the various issues of unemployment and so on and so forth. And from there, we have a chance then to participate and to shape policy and to ensure that um, some of that policy actually benefits us, the youth. Mm. Well, good points that you're bringing there in terms of uh, what's going to come out in terms of this particular conference. It's not just a talk shop. I'm happy that actually you'll be actually airing your voice on a bigger platform as well. But uh, Jahanyab, in terms of Pakistan, uh, when you look at uh, youth participation in parliament in your country, is it impressive or is it still a challenge? It's still a challenge, to be perfectly honest, but we're getting there. We're making uh, headway. We're actually moving towards actual youth involvement. We not only have uh, an individual parliament uh, comprising of students now, uh, mostly of O&A levels, but we also have a youth parliament section within our National Assembly as well as our provincial assemblies. And, uh, admittedly, the international criteria may be under 28, uh, and we are currently using under 35 because we don't have enough uh, young elected representatives. But uh, it is surely we uh, in Pakistan re- realize how important it is for the youth to contribute to this particular in this particular aspect. And uh, because Pakistan has a history of a lot of political tor- turmoil, 
we've had uh, various military dictatorships, etc., etc. Not only the youth, but every in, a citizen of Pakistan is extremely politically inclined. And therefore, especially the youth now that they realize that uh, going out for, for example, a protest or, for, uh, for instance, just utilizing the social media to get their view out in the, uh, in the open. Uh, it, it has become a very common phenomenon in Pakistan, and especially the youth have, uh, are gaining a lot of headway now. Mm. Well, that's interesting as well to see those uh, particular uh, themes that are being introduced in your own uh, parliament uh, processes there in Pakistan. But I want to look at that theme, deepening the Commonwealth's commitment to democracy and youth development. Very long. But what do we mean by that? What are we talking about when we're talking about deepening the Commonwealth's commitment to democracy and youth development? Michelle? Michelle, are you there? Hey, um, could I could I chip in on this one? Yeah, definitely. Go for it, Michelle. Okay, this is Tibo on the line. I want to chip in on that one. Okay, fine. That's fine. Okay, so when we're looking at uh, deepening um, democracy and also looking at the issue of uh, youth development within the Commonwealth, some of the issues that we're looking at right now are issues of good governance. And so we, the young people, will have to... Um, express our uh, views concerning that, we'll need to make a contribution to that. And when it comes to um, um, to, to the issue of, um, sorry, uh, I beg your pardon. No, it's um, fine. Go is, ahead. You sound great. Is, is, is it possible for you to just rephrase your question? Basically, I was, look, I was looking at the theme itself, deepening okay. the Commonwealth commitment to democracy and youth development. That's the theme of uh, this year. What does it mean for you as young people? And as you've highlighted there, we need to see uh, more transparency in Africa. We need to see uh, more of an, an openness in terms of uh, our own uh, uh, parliamentary processes and in, in, in the way of we, the way we govern, uh, even in our own governments. I just wanted to understand that theme for myself. Okay, so basically um, what it means for me as a young person is that the Commonwealth is actually um, uh, committed to youth development, and this is actually uh, clearly um, seen in, the, in, in some of the issues that we have to debate on. We're looking at issues of youth unemployment, and the, obviously the Commonwealth wants to hear the view of the young people on how we can tackle this challenge of youth unemployment. Uh, we're also looking at the, the uh, say, the oversight function of Parliament. It also shows that the Commonwealth is uh, committed to hearing the view of the young people on how transparently uh, the governance process can run. Mm. So basically, um, for me, what it means is that the Commonwealth really values the participation of um, the youth in our governance process mm. and also in the matters that concern them, such as uh, youth unemployment and education. So the Commonwealth is really committed to engaging the youth in matters of governance and development. Yeah, I like that answer in terms of making that commitment in itself. But, you know, what's also interesting about parliaments, just uh, as we're about to wrap it up, I know you guys have to go to some of the sessions, and uh, I wanted to look at the diversity within parliaments. You know, parliament usually has people in terms of different parties from different cultures. Uh, do you think parliament is the best place where we can actually enshrine and protect those that cultural diversity? And uh, in terms of looking 
looking at this Commonwealth Youth Parliament in South Africa in itself that's taking place here. We're seeing people from different cultures, different uh, countries, and we're seeing this uh, uh, amalgamation of different people from different parts of society. Michelle, how important is that element of allowing diversity to flourish in our parliaments? From being from Trinidad and Tobago, I can say that diversity in Parliament is actually one of the most important things that I've observed both at home and out here. At home, we've got so much diversity in Trinidad and Tobago that out here, when I see the mix of cultures and the mix of languages and the mix of religions that come out in the values of the different parliamentarians, it's a matter of having everybody represented. And when the people of the people who have elected um, the representatives to Parliament feel that they represent that they, that their views are being represented, that their values are being represented, then they feel more encouraged to participate in the political process, and that's how the development of the youth takes place. And when we have these values coming together, for example, in Trinidad and Tobago, we've got programs where the youth actually come to tour the Parliament, the youth come to hot seat the speaker and ask them questions. Um, then the the diversity actually comes out when you see what this, the, how everybody has very different concerns and being able to air these air these concerns in such a international forum where they will be, where they'll be heard they'll be taken by the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association who has invested so much in bringing us out here they've sent us a message that they're interested in what we have to say and I think what we're saying back is that we're here, we're interested, and we're looking at what the Commonwealth is doing. We're very interested, and the process had better be transparent and diverse. Jan mm. uh, what's your views in terms of that diversity, that uh, 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 different elements of uh, people from different cultures coming together in one space to actually facilitate this process? I think it's impressive. Uh, yes, again, uh, you, uh, if I take, uh, give you an example of Pakistan, uh, it, not, it not only has uh, various re- representatives uh, in its federal cabinet from every province, which means that equal representation is given uh, geographically, but in addition, it, uh, also, uh, we also have reserved quotas for minorities. Uh, this allows each and every single, uh, whether you want to call it religion, whether you want to call it sect, whether you want to call it race, has a chance to equally participate in the parliament and present their point of view uh, so, so that it can be open open for debate, uh, bring it to the uh, attention of the public. This allows uh, a, a healthy debate and a conclusion which generally is uh, favorable towards the minorities. Uh, admittedly, this hasn't been uh, the practice in the past, but uh, Pakistan has made a lot of headway within the past six to seven years. Well, I'm going to wrap it up with you guys. I know that you have to go back, but uh, let me wrap up with you, Sibonello. Uh, what are you hoping to achieve at the end of this? And also take back uh, uh, to your country in Zambia. What do you want to take back from South Africa to your own country through this particular session? Um, is this in relation to the youth parliament in particular, or it extends to the experience and the culture as well? Well, it's anything. Uh, well, basically, I will start with the um, the cultural side. I think um, I'll have a, a good story to tell about South Africa. And so uh, maybe you want yourself an ambassador to come back and do it. Well, that's a very intelligent core, uh, ambassador indeed. And coming back to the core business of the house. Well, basically, what I am going to take back home is that... Um, I'm going to, because now I have a better understanding of how the youth parliament runs, and uh, I understand now that it is a very good way to engage the members of parliament. So what I have to take back home is basically um, 
how to organize a good youth parliament at national level. What I'm going to do is replicate it, work together with um, the other members of staff back home to replicate this at national level and uh, perhaps propose that we actually have um, a national youth parliament because what happens back in my country is that a national youth parliament is not an ongoing thing. I mentioned uh, important dates that we observe, like the Commonwealth Day. So we have it like a one-off event. The youth parliament occurs like a one-off event for our Zambian parliament. But peradventure, this is something I can carry back home and put forward to say, hey, uh, what about uh, seeing if we can have um, a, a national youth parliament and actually have people elected to that? Because it's not something we have back home. So. Um, new experiences, I'm going to take back with me some of the best practices I have observed and I hope that um, some of them will come to fruition. I will fight that some of them do come to fruition in my country. Well, uh, uh, let's uh, come to you, Michelle. What do you want to take back to your country? I'd like to take back some of the attitudes um, encouraging greater participation. The overall theme is to deepen the our commitment to the youth development in mm. terms of participation in Commonwealth. So I hope to take back a story that encourages others to come out to National Youth Parliament and encourages the students who start off showing interest but it suddenly dwindles when they realize how much work it is. I, I hope that I could encourage more to actually participate in the process and benefit from it as I have. Mm. Finally, Jan Yab, you have the final say. What do you want to take back to Pakistan? Uh, the difference in the parliamentary proceedings, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, in Pakistan, we don't have a chief whip. We, there's no concept of a whip. Uh, there are various other uh, matters in South Africa as parliament that I have observed in terms of the, question, uh, the methodology of asking questions, uh, tabling bills. In Pakistan, it's uh, extremely, extremely different from that. Uh, we, in Pakistan, mostly tend to just speak on a point of order and uh, get, get across whatever we want and evolve that into a bill later on. Over here, it's a proper parliamentary procedure. I'd like to take back these uh, mechanisms and be able to uh, adopt them and employ them within Pakistan's parliament. Well, fantastic. Thank you to Michelle Rubnarin, who is from Trinidad and Tobago. We also thank from Pakistan, Janyab Jawaid Aslan. And also want to thank Sibonelo Jere from Zambia. You guys did a fantastic job. Thank you for joining us here. And I hope that the week goes on uh, smoothly for you guys. And I hope at some stage you guys get sleep, eh? Yes, get sleep. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> we hope we get to really <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I don't know if we have uh, Tebukho to join us now. Just to wrap up the uh, conversation, that's Tebukho Chane, who's the spokesperson for the Speaker of the Northwest Legislature. Let's take a little break, and then we'll speak to him just to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> And there is no answer to the hunger And the poverty never seems to go away They are asking how much longer Let the children go to school Let there be no reason Let 
can get an education I see the beautiful minds coming from miles and miles like butterflies Let's be the thirst in the rise Time is ticking, ticking, ticking away Get a ball for a new world Yes, I lose, I continue, I rest more time to delay The Africa we dream of holding, it goes away Sisters hear their voices, know their choices. We have the power at this very hour. So the time when losing no child on the fight. And then we'll grow and live to see their faces. And live to see their babies, babies. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and you are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Moshatama. Fantastic, fantastic interview with those young people, and I think if young people have that kind of a voice, that kind of determination that we've heard and commitment for democracy, for development, hey, our developing countries can move uh, way forward than that have had in history. But right now, I think I have Debo Chane, the spokesperson for the Speak of the Northwest Legislature. Just to wrap up this conversation, Debo, thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you, my brother. Hey, man, so impressive to hear all those uh, young people there. Uh, what does that do for you as a, a member of legislature, someone who's involved day in and day out, to see such an impressive uh, view from young people in this process? They were quite brilliant, I must say, and it is quite encouraging to see that this program is beginning to yield uh, the intended results. And uh, we, we hope that, uh, as they have already indicated to you, because their program is quite hectic, because one of the intentions is to expose them to the real day-to-day life of a politician. Uh, quite often, I know that here in South Africa, our people will always see politicians sleeping on television whilst in <laughs> Parliament, and they wonder that these people are here just to sleep. They don't know actually what they do an hour to hour, an hour to hour basis, minute yeah, by minute. Yeah. So, so this is exactly to expose the youth who have got interest. And I think this program is also quite good for our South African youth because as you and, you and I know that our youth in the country, because of the African National Congress uh, program, they have um, gained some more interest into politics. So it's quite interesting and excellent to see them uh, participating in a program like this one. Now, Dewoko, as, as we're about to wrap it up in terms of uh, what's happening so far, uh, let us know what's going to be happening from now on uh, moving forward in terms of this particular program of the 6th Commonwealth Youth Parliament. This morning, the delegates were receiving some briefings or presentations from members of the provincial legislature of Northwest uh, Legislature, and afterwards, they're still going to continue um, meeting in their caucuses as um, political parties and um, as members of government uh, so that they begin to shape up uh, the issues that they are going to be discussing, like they have indicated that they will be debating issues around education, unemployment, and so on. And um, 
we'll then see them later now engaging in a real debate like in Parliament on, on, the, on the topics that would have been said. And, and finally, in terms of what you want to achieve, like you're saying, this has been a process in itself. It's the sixth Commonwealth Youth Parliament. How have things improved since the beginning of this whole process? Come again? I just want to ask, how have things improved since the beginning of starting this uh, particular Commonwealth Youth Parliament over the years? I know this is the sixth one. Uh, have we seen any improvements or certain things that have been uh, uh, showing some progress? Yes, there, there has been some progress, but uh, although at a very slow pace, remember, this is the very first time that this conference moves out of Britain mm. to the African region. Wow. So, so, so the decision that was taken last year in Pakistan to rotate it in all the Commonwealth countries is really a good one because it, it will now reach quite a number of people across the Commonwealth family. And, and, and we'll see more youth now gaining more interest in participating in the youth conference as opposed to when it was still being done only and the conference being held in Britain. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us and giving us uh, a little bit of uh, uh, what's happening that side there in the Northwest. Thank you, Tebuho, for your time and uh, your team for making sure that we actually have access to these brilliant young minds and to have this conversation on democracy and, and parliament. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, my brother. Great. That was uh, Debo Khochane, who's the spokesperson for the Speaker of the Northwest Legislature in South Africa. Very impressive. Uh, we heard from Michelle, Janyab, uh, Sibonello, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Pakistan, Zambia, and other Commonwealth countries right there in the middle of uh, the legislature chamber looking at this theme, deepening uh, the Commonwealth commitment to democracy and youth development. I found it very impressive indeed. And uh, hey, some clever young people in this uh, developing uh, Commonwealth uh, nations. And uh, I think, hey, there's a great future for all these countries and for the rest of uh, the continent itself. I was also very much... uh, uh, Inspired by Zambia's uh, Sibonello then hearing her voice and really articulating herself very well in some of those areas. But it's time for us to move on at 11.45 Central African time. Uh, we have Wisani looking as stylish as ever. You see this guy is always upping his game in terms of his looks. And uh, hey, if, if you're a fan of Channel Africa, hey, we should get this guy on the website. I think he is on the website. Go to the website. You'll see his style. And that's www.channelafrica.org. But hey, let's move on and get our business news. Thanks, Benjamin. World Bank President uh, Jim Yong Kim has urged Asia to send trained health care workers to Ebola streak in West Africa, warning that the focus on stricter border control was not the solution. The World Bank has warned of potentially catastrophic economic losses from the outbreak in West Africa, where the deadly disease has killed more than 5,000 people. Kim calls on all countries across Asia to offer trained health workers to help stop Ebola at its source. He's welcomed efforts by South Korea, China and Japan to send medical personnel and equipment to combat the outbreak. Asia has a wealth of medical personnel who could be among the heroes needed now on the front lines. The World Health Organization has so far recorded more than 13,000 cases, but admits the real number could be much higher. 
And French energy company Total has temporarily stopped its oil exploration 175 meters of the southern coast of South Africa. This after the rig experienced mechanical failure. The company's senior vice president for exploration and production for Africa, Guy Morris, was speaking to an oil and gas conference in South Africa's mother city in Cape Town. Still in South Africa, Trade Union Solidarity says Power Utility ESCOM was aware of structural problems which led to the collapsed silo at the Majuba Power Station in Pumalanga province since January, but didn't do anything about it. ESCOM's executive says the collapse of one of its cold storage silos at its newest power station in Majuba forced the power utility to shed load on Sunday. Solidarity's head of energy industry, Dion Reineke, says this is negligence from ESCOM's part. ESCOM was well aware of this structural problems on the silo since January this year. It even goes further that ESCOM monitored the vibrations, the resonance of, of the silo. And, and in June this year, the resonance vibration was every 30 seconds. And it further worsened and, and uh, the structure deteriorated to at the level we three weeks ago. According to our information that was reported to us, that ESCOM did nothing to, to create this silo you know, and, and to prevent it from collapse or maybe more structural damages by, by isolating this, this silo. Meanwhile, ESCOM spokesperson Andrew Ettinger has refuted Solidarity's claims, saying an investigation is underway to determine the claims. We are aware of uh, uh, Solidarity's assertion, and of course that will form part of our investigation as to you know, who knew what, when, etc. So uh, you know, we certainly would, uh, would ask Solidarity to, to give us all the information, and it certainly hasn't come out in terms of the, you know, the preliminary investigation that, that, that we've done. So I, I think you know, if we, we need Solidarity also to put the facts on the table so that we, that, that we can move forward. What happened? But of course, you know, if, if there was you know, a cover-up, you know, that must uh, come out as soon as possible, and, and of course we would take the necessary action, but um, that will all be part of the investigation. Financial indicators. Rather, before that, business activity in Egypt has expanded in October for the third straight month, but the pace of growth slowed, highlighting the fragile nature of the country's nascent economic recovery. Egypt has been hit by more than three years of political turmoil following the 2011 uprising of toppled President Hosni Mubarak after 30 years in power. Financial indicators, the dollar 11.05, South African rents 9.03, Botswana Pulas, and 6.31, Zambian Quatches. It's also trading at 0.62 against the British pound, and it's at 0.79 against the euro. Moving now to commodities, uh, platinum uh, trading at $1,224, gold $1,167, a fine ounce. Brent crude oil going down one notch from yesterday's close of 85. Now it's at $84.38 per barrel. That's how it's looking this hour. Now it's time for us to get our sports news. In our sports update this hour, we're kicking off with football news. Ethiopia has pulled out as host for this year's Sikafa Senior Challenge Cup tournament and a replacement will be announced next week. 
According to the Sikafa Secretary General, Nicolas Musonye, they have already started talks with Sudan to host the event, which is scheduled for later this month. Musonye says they have initiated talks with Sudan and by next week they shall be in position to announce who will host the tournament. He added that Ethiopia's pulling out does not mean that the tournament will not go ahead as their plans still remain and dates will remain unchanged. Next year's edition will be held in Rwanda. Kenya's Harambe Stars won last year's tournament after beating Sudan 2-0 in the final played at Nyayo Stadium in Nairobi. And Senzo Meiwa's tragic death is likely to affect his teammates at both club and national levels. That's according to the University of Johannesburg sports psychologist Dr. Leon Fanikak. Bafana Bafana and Orlando Pirates players will eventually overcome this loss, but it won't be easy for the new goalkeepers. You know, people deal differently with the loss of somebody important in a team. Some people will carry that burden for years and years afterward. But I think in a team like this, it is important that they create a space for the player to now move towards accepting his death and move on to the challenges that awaits them. It's not that easy often because people grieve in different ways. But if they make this meaningful for the team, I'm sure it will generate a lot of motivation and energy to fight for Senzu now. Former Bafana Bafana goalkeeper Andre Arense says coach Sheikh Mashaba will have to look at an experienced keeper to fill Mewa's goalkeeping shoes when he announced his squad today. He needs to decide whether he, he, he will want to call on experience. Um, for example, he's got that in someone like, like Manip. Or if he's, if he's happy to, to, to throw people in at the deep end again. The guys like Darren Keith, and as I say, and of course uh, there's Ronan Williams, um, for example. I think there are quite a few leaders who could take the, uh, the captain's armband. And, you know, our, our very own Tulani Haswaya for me is a, is a wonderful leader on the field. Good to see him watch, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of, of getting players to rally around him. So those are just a few names that we can talk about. The Africa Cup of Nations, due to be held from the 17th of January to the 8th of February, will not be postponed because of the Ebola epidemic. Hosts Morocco have called for the tournament to be pushed back because of fears that an influx of several hundred thousand supporters could spread the virus which has killed more than 4,950 people in West Africa. But Confederation of African Football Media Director Junior Binyam says, after meeting with Moroccan officials, there would be no postponement and that a second meeting is slated for the 11th of November in Kev's Cairo headquarters to take the necessary decision. On to athletics. South African middle distance specialist Mapaseka Makanya is gearing up to face one of the biggest challenges of her career when she competes in her first international marathon early next year. Makanya, who won the women's 21-kilometer race in Soweto Marathon over the weekend, says she's both nervous and excited at the prospect of competing at the 2015 Hanover Marathon in Germany on the 19th of April. South Africa's Lusapo April set a course record in the men's race at the 2013 Hanover Marathon, winning a personal best time of 2 hours, 8 minutes and 32 seconds. Makanya says she hopes to come close to matching the current women's course record of 2 hours, Two seven minutes and zero seven seconds set by Ukraine's Olina Bukovska. Finally, with rugby news, South African Springbok log Victor Medfield says their test against Ireland in Dublin will be a huge challenge. The box start their four-game year-end tour with a clash against the Six Nations champions at Aviva Stadium on Saturday. It will be followed by tests against England on November the 15th, Italy on the 22nd of November and Wales and Cardiff the 29th of November. The Borg team for Saturday's tests will be named on Wednesday.
And that's your sport news this hour. Well, uh, what a great conversation in this hour. Uh, great having some uh, young people in the studio here. Uh, just uh, crossing live to the northwest at the 6th Commonwealth Youth Parliament. And I remember that last year we actually had some of these young people in, in our studios. And uh, it was kind of the same uh, process. But uh, it's interesting to see just how different it was this year and how uh, the capacity seems to have gone to another level. But hey, how do you think that young people can participate more in our parliaments on the continent? Let us know your thoughts by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Just a reminder that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at eleven hundred hours Central African time. Interact with us via Facebook. We have a Channel Africa page there, and tweet us at Channel Africa One. You can also find our African Dialogue tweet handle, and that is at. Uh, uh, African Dialogue. That's at African Dialogue. Now, uh, that's how we wrap it up. Let's end it with the proverb of the day. I love proverbs. This one is a proverb about proverbs. I think that's cool. And uh, it says that a proverb is the horse of conversation. When the conversation lags, a proverb revives it. That's a Nigerian proverb. Now, that's how we wrap it up. And then coming up, we do have uh, Africa Midday.